the birth of Jesus. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancee, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had re returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel even before he was conceived. May God bless the reading of God's word and would you pray with me? God, may your Holy Spirit be recognized by us now. May you speak to us, speak to our hearts, that the wonder and the joy and the power of the Christmas story would be ours. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's a story that is told of a man who arrived at the Canadian border north of Detroit on his bicycle, and behind him on the rack, he had a box filled with sand. What do you have there, asked the customs official. Nothing, replied the man. Well, let's just check it out, shall we? 
So the official opens the box and rakes his fingers through the box of sand, and he doesn't find anything. So he waves the cyclist on. A few days later, the man was back at the border again, same box of sand behind his bicycle seat. What do you have this time? asked the official. Same thing, nothing, the man said. This time, the official gives the bicycle a thorough inspection. He takes the box, he shakes it, he opens it, he pours out the sand, but he finds nothing. For weeks, the scene was reenacted. Weeks! And with the same result, each time, the customs official was certain he was going to find whatever it was this man was smuggling, but every time he inspected the box, he found nothing but sand. Years later, the customs official retired. He was sitting in a restaurant in Detroit, sipping coffee, when who should walk in the doors? His old friend, the cyclist. The retired official calls the man over, buys him a cup of coffee. They start chatting, and the retired official says to him, Look, it doesn't mean anything to me now. I'm retired, but I'm so curious. What was it that you were smuggling all those years ago? The man smiled, took a sip of coffee, and said, Bicycles. I was smuggling bicycles. <laughs> For centuries, God's people waited for God's chosen king, the Messiah. The one who would bring freedom, bring justice, guide them to the pathway of peace. They raked their fingers through the sands of time, eager in expectation for that day when God would arrive and set all things as they should be. Consider these words from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 64. O God, why don't you tear the sky open and come down? The mountains would see you and they would shake with fear. They would tremble like water boiling on a fire. Come, reveal your power to your enemies and make the nations tremble at your presence. And so, many were looking for God to tear open the sky and shake the mountains and whip up the oceans and the enemies of God would run for the hills trembling. We can hardly blame them if that's what they were looking for. We do it too. But while people were looking for all these displays of worldly power, God smuggled himself into an animal room, wrapped in the fabric scraps of peasants napping with the sheep in their trough. The Son of God loves true light. God came to us as a baby. How about that? What does it look like when God arrives in the world or in our lives? What does it look like when God gets to work and what sorts of people does God recruit on God's mission? A number of years ago, I heard a seasoned pastor say to a young, engaged couple, if I had one piece of advice for you in marriage, it's this. 
things are almost never about what they seem to be about. So what we need are eyes to see. And if the Christmas story is any indication, then where God shows up and how God shows up might not look like what many people expect. I'm getting some amens tonight. God just might show up riding a bicycle. Luke's gospel tells us that God's arrival came in the middle of government census during the Roman occupation. The census, by most people's accounts back then, the census was all about the power of the empire and the authority of Caesar. God's, I'm sorry, Caesar's power to disrupt the lives of people, even if it meant pregnant women taking long journeys to Bethlehem. All for the greatness of Rome, right? This census? Well, maybe not. Caesar cannot outmaneuver God. Caesar could not outmaneuver God back then, and Caesar cannot outmaneuver God today. For this decision of Augustus to have the census, to make everyone go back to their ancestral town, turns out to be God's mean to fulfill the great prophecy that God's chosen Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. There's another bicycle. Luke tells us, tells us that this baby would be conceived in Mary while she was still a virgin during her engagement to Joseph. That's right. Mary lives in a small town. What are people going to think? What did Joseph think? This pregnancy goes and throws the whole relationship into question. And if Mary's small town is like any of the small towns I've ever been a part of, then I bet people thought they knew what was going on. But they didn't. The child growing in Mary was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Another bicycle. Luke tells us that God did send angels to announce what would happen, to go out, light up the sky, send out a booming proclamation. And if it was me, I'd send them to a stadium filled with like 100,000 people, but not God. God sends the angels out in the middle of nowhere to boom and to do firework shows for the sheep and the shepherds. They're just trying to put in an honest day's work, and God shows up on a bicycle. The arrival of God in Jesus came about the same way as every human being on this planet has ever arrived. The arrival came in the pains of labor and delivery and the work of pushing. God arrived in blood, in the amazement of birth. When God arrived, the umbilical cord needed to be cut. The baby needed to be wiped off and diapers needed to be changed. Mary and Jesus needed to learn how to breastfeed. It was so common. We all arrived that way. And yet, this baby is the fullness of the deity. This child is the word that was with God in the beginning. This child would be the way for people to know God to become a child of God, 
a promise for you and for me. The baby would be the way to forgiveness, the way to God's grace. The child would be the one who would give God's very spirit to all who follow him. I'm glad I got the children for some amens tonight. This child would break the powers of evil at his death, and this child would be the first human being to experience the great resurrection. Life eternal. New life. But the way this all came about, I mean, I would never draw it up like this. Ah, not me. But there it is. And it's such good news. It's good news because it is the arrival of God's Son. Our King, the one who brings peace and justice and healing and forgiveness and all that stuff. Isaiah was always jumping up and down about. A relationship with God. It's good news because it is a testament to the truth. That God can arrive in the middle of anything. God can arrive anywhere. Even in those times it seemed to be about one thing, God just might be using them for his own purposes of salvation and healing. Oh, that we would have eyes to see what God is doing. What is God doing? What is God up to in that family fight, in the middle of that trial, in the midst of that diagnosis? What is God doing? Because God's arrivals are ubiquitous. They're everywhere. Anywhere. And we are reminded of that tonight. We are reminded of that tonight. The good news is that God's arrival has come to us in Jesus, born of Mary. I like telling the story of a youth retreat About 400 teenagers are at a camp, chapel every night, every morning. The chapel speaker is terrible. He drones on and on for 45 minutes or more every chapel. He's monotone. Half the chapel's asleep whenever he speaks. The last night of chapel, while the speaker's in his 32nd minute, a young man, 15 years old, stands up, looks at his youth leader and says, I cannot take it anymore. And he walks out. Of chapel. The youth workers thinking, neither can I. But you can't just walk out of chapel. So he gestures to another adult volunteer. The two of them go to look for the young man. They find him outside sitting on a bench. They say to him, You can't do that. You can't just leave chapel. What is going on? And the young man looks up and he says, I cannot take my life without God anymore. My life is not too good. And I need to know God's love. And I need God's guidance. And so they prayed. And the young man said in his prayer, he prayed to God, Jesus, please come into my life. I love you. Amen. So simple. 400 kids went home that weekend complaining about how terrible the speaker was. Rightfully so. But at least one young person went home reborn. The Bible says to all who believe Jesus and to all who accept him, he gave the right to become 
children of God. They are reborn, John tells us. A birth that comes from God. If you do not know God, you can. That's what Christmas is about. Let God's Spirit guide you. Get to know Jesus. He is alive. Talk to someone about it. Talk to me about it. I don't know. Check the box on the, on the connection card. We'll reach out to you. Because this amazing story, the story of Christmas, it's for you and it's for me. It's for everyone. Let us pray. God, give us eyes to see what you are doing. Not to be hung up in what it might look like, but what your spirit is up to. May we worship and may we celebrate the birth of Jesus, the King, the one who died for us and who rose into new life, who also gives us the Holy Spirit. I pray these things in his name, his precious holy name, amen.